and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. And on today's episode, we have Jared Singh. Uh, wanted to get this cat on the pod for a while now. Just put the feelers out to Michelle Grace Hunter and, and, got, and got the chocolates. You know, we ended up getting the great man on the pod and to be able to pick his brain about um, his journey into photography through music and now what he does now, like creative director. He does a lot of film stuff and he's just, he's a bit licorice all sorts, isn't he? He's doing plenty. And I do like that. And to hear his journey about the hustle and how he's learned his skills and developed his career and to shape to what he wants it to be. Pretty inspiring stuff. So plenty plenty to get out of this episode. Jared, thanks so much for uh, jumping on. Early start for you. Uh, but for those that are listening at home, who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name's Jared Singh. I'm a photographer. If I have to use just one thing, that's the easiest one but there's you know quite a quite a number of things i find myself doing sometimes small time director um run a lot of projects uh i've pretended to be steve aoki a few times so i put um part-time steve aoki impersonator into my bio and yeah i'll stop there Sounds like you've uh, you've got a lot going on in your world. How did it all start for you? Was it photography? Then it got into all this other creative directing and all these other sort of opportunities. Like, where t- can you take us back to how it all started for you? I suppose, yeah, no, maybe not photography. Music was probably my first passion um, throughout high school and into university. I was playing a lot of music, playing in bands. Um, started. Uh, music journalism so I was writing articles for newspapers about uh, musicians and going to concerts every weekend and reviewing them I just loved everything about music and especially live music and that kind of is how photography started it was just it just became another way for me to experience music was by taking photos and and first first off that was just uh, with a point and shoot camera from the crowd I'd you know take photos at the shows and then I actually had a friend who um, had a DSLR and was taking proper music photos. Uh, and this was way back where like, it wasn't that, it was really uncommon to have a good camera. Uh, and, you know, it was really expensive. And I just remember me and he would always be at the same shows, but I would be way at the back with a little notepad writing notes on, you know, to write my article the next day. And he'd be right at the front, like a meter away from these massive acts and, I just remember thinking he has, we're like, we're doing the same thing. We're just doing this to get access and to get into free for shows, but he's got a way better deal. It was super, way more exciting. Comes, comes away with these awesome photos and he looks easier too. I'm like, it can't be that hard to, to take photos. I got to sit there for hours writing the same article I always do. So anyway, that's that i got in touch with him and, you know, uh, he kind of gave me some advice. And eventually, this is really turning into a really long story, but I'll cut this bit short. Eventually, I bluffed my way into a big music festival by pretending I was a photographer when I wasn't. Um, and it turned out all right. <laughs> which festival was it? It was called West Coast Blues and Roots, which I suppose is like Blues Fest-ish uh, yeah. equivalent. Um, John Butler was there, Jason Mraz, Paul Kelly... Um, so basically I went in as a music reviewer um, and they said, do you need to bring a photographer as well? And I said, yes, I am a photographer as well, uh, which I wasn't. And, and I thought that would be like, they would know. 
<laughs> I don't know like who's looking at things, but I thought surely they would know. Uh, but they said, yep, here you go. Here's your media pass. So I just borrowed uh, my friend's camera, uh, hired a lens and just went straight in. Oh, and I Googled how to take concert photos the night before. I fucking love that. Because uh, <laughs> I've like, never the used the camera like? They were all right. Photos are good. And that's what so I, was, I thought, you know, this is actually not that hard. <laughs> and this is my new way. This is what I do now to get into things. Um, way better than writing a freaking article. Yeah. Oh. So did you how, did you keep doing the articles? Like what, how, what was Yeah, the, how did you give it the flick? Yeah, what yeah. was the progression from... I think it kind of phased out. There was probably a bit of crossover period where, you know, suddenly I could get access to things and say, yeah, I'll, I'll write something up for this newspaper, but I'll also take the photos as well. And so it just was this golden period of just... But then it turned into like, why write the article? <laughs> just take the photos. Way well, easier how, and way cooler. How old were you then? Like, was this like uni days or a bit later than that or earlier than that? Like... Uh, this was mostly for uni. So between 18 and 21 is kind of this period. I love that. We've had a few people on the pod who, who whether they're like photographer, videographer, or like creative director, how, how did you go about learning the skill sets required? Like, I know it's like on the job, you said, fuck it, I'm, I'm ready to go. I've got my camera, I'm ready to take photos. But how did you go from that point? So I guess the level of expertise that you did now, did you go like, deep dive and become obsessed about learning new talents and new skills? Did you just learn by just pumping out more and more photos and more opportunities? What was sort of the process for you? I would say it was that one, pumping out the photos. I just did everything. I said yes to everything. My, my loose goal at the time, and not that I probably, I probably didn't think of it as a strategy at the time, but looking back now, I'm like, oh, that was a good strategy. I just wanted to get my name on uh, as many photos as I possibly could. And this was back when Facebook was kind of, everyone was using Facebook back then. And I'd, I'd always have a photo by Jared Saint Photography linked below every photo. And I was taking, I was at everything you could possibly imagine. Like every event, uh, I was shooting nightclub stuff. Really looking back now, pretty dark period, the nightclub <laughs> period. But um, yeah, I would just have get so much satisfaction by flicking through Facebook and seeing my name tagged under so many things and it was really just a, like a, I don't know what you'd call it in business terms but uh some sort of market domination and <laughs> just just trying and trying oh like flood flood Facebook with my name and it really kind of worked because it was for anything and it was probably pretty random the kinds of photos I was taking when you put it all together but it really did get my name out there and a lot of jobs I got were just because you know maybe I met someone at a nightclub and I took their photo and I was the only photographer they knew. So that was kind of how that started. But yeah, I just took photos of everything. Um, and I guess that's how I learned. There was no conscious, you know, study method there. Um, I just tried every genre um, basically and, and learnt, learnt on the job. It was just a hustle and hard work. I, I love the fact that like you look back now and go, oh, you probably now when you go on to do things, you have a bit of a strategy or think a bit, beforehand but when you're just sort of immersing yourself in the culture I suppose it's different in it what what about the transition from Facebook to Instagram like did you have like a Jared Singh photography page on Facebook early doors so that's how you got to like build built that audience up and then how did it transition to Instagram because you got a big following on there as well yeah it slowly uh transitioned to Instagram I remember I was on tour with a guy called Passenger 
and his best mate, Stu Larson. Um, so we're all touring together. This was early days. This was not like, this was, you know, sharing beds at backpackers days. <laughs> so it was pretty dark as well. But Stu had Instagram, I remember. And he was, you know, always on his phone, looking at it, putting all these cool filters on things. I was like, what are you doing, man? Facebook's where it's at. Like, don't, what's this weird thing? And then eventually he convinced me to get it. And I didn't really know what I was doing on it or what the purpose was. I was like, I've got like a hundred thousand people on Facebook. Why would I, why would I use this thing? You know, this is, <laughs> this is before everyone learned about the life cycle of social media. <laughs> but eventually he convinced me to get it. I, I scroll back every now and then just to like look at the kind of things I was posting. It's pretty funny. It all has that, uh, I can't remember what it's called. Hipstomatic? No, that, that was a different thing, maybe. I don't know. There was this weird filter. Um, my very first photo on Instagram was just of some chairs at, in the Queen Victoria building. <laughs> like, I was like, why? I wonder what was going through my head. But um, back then when I joined, so it was late in comparison to some people, but it was still very early in the Instagram days overall. And back then there used to be a thing called the suggested users list. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah. It's when a new person signs up to Instagram and they, and Instagram just says, Hey, you should follow these people. So it was cool if you got on that list and then tons of random people would just follow you. So once I started posting proper photography, more kind of your landscape photography kind of thing, um, Instagram featured me a couple of times. Um, they, they, sometimes I posted my photos with, you know, a link to me. This is real early. So that's kind of how it all started. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how it grew there. And, then, and there was a bit of a golden period too with Instagram where there was, uh, do you remember these things called Instameets? They used to happen a lot with, photo with photographers. Um, it became a thing for you know people to meet up in different cities and everyone came and brought their cameras and it's called an Instameet. And you just meet people and take cool photos together. This is around the 2014 to 2016 or 17. doesn't really happen anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I met a lot of cool people through Instagram and, and uh, you know, a lot of opportunities through that too. That was around the same period where tourism boards were really realising the power of Instagram and, uh, you know, bringing groups of people together to cool destinations to promote things. Um, that would have been yeah. a cool experience going from hustling, doing all the photos. Nightclubs, sweaty nightclubs, top and tailing with passenger in the, in the backpacker. To going all over the world, doing the, these crazy Insta meets. Do you, is it, do you look at that now and go like Facebook, Insta, Instagram? Are you looking at other social platforms going, well, how do I transition audience across? Am I going to have a crack at doing these other things as well? Like, do, that, do those things cross your mind? Crosses my mind. I just don't have the energy anymore. I was, I was a... <laughs> I was a hustler back then. <laughs> so I, I, I'm still a hustler now, but I think it's more bigger picture stuff than worrying about um, too much about social media. I mean, I opened TikTok and looked at it. Oh, that would be a great idea to be famous on this, but oh, I just can't. Yeah, it, it just, <laughs> the amount of effort it, it would require, I'm just like, oh, I've probably a better other things I should spend my time on. It's, it's wild. I think that's maybe just a sign of, of getting old because if I was at the start of my career, I would be looking at TikTok like, yes, this is, this is actually, of all the platforms, TikTok is probably the one that I would flourish the most on because I do so many 
dumb ideas uh, that have no real meaning, but they're funny. Um, I would, yeah, if I was younger, I would, I'd love to kind of really dive into TikTok, but it just seems, it seems like a younger person's game. <laughs> I feel the same way. I'll look at some of the Very things. out of my depth. Yeah, I'm looking at all these things and all these going, going bananas. I'm like, fuck, I can't think of anything like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually had to take the app off my phone. I was just spending too long and everyone's so creative mm. and they're so clever and it's really funny and you get sucked in, but also at the same time, it's like a bit, a bit sad that you know that you probably could do all this cool stuff if you had the time and energy, <laughs> but yeah. I don't. So I'm like, ah, just feel like FOMO and regret. <laughs> like, nah, I don't want to look at this stuff. Look at how, how good everyone's doing. <laughs> um, I'll just look, won't look at it. <laughs> hey, what goes into, if you're setting up now, you're going to do a shoot. What's sort of the process that you follow to make sure that you're getting the right setting or you're capturing the, sh the shots like what's what's your what's your process when you go and take when you go and do these show these shoots i uh, it would be really different depending on what it is you know i do quite a number of different shoots at the moment i the bulk of it is maybe for tourism certainly over the last year it's been local tourism haven't been able to travel so much but i mean wa is a a nice state to be stuck in there's a lot you can do uh tourism and music i travel with bands it's pretty rare that i'll just um do a shoot for fun these days or, or set up something just for the sake of a shoot um but i mean if i do then i don't know like are we talking about if i would do something for fun or I reckon if you just do like when you go on a, out in the road, like what's the process of going in to capture the shot in your head? I'm sure that you've got the shot that you wanted to capture or you're waiting for the moment. Like what's right. the, th that's sort of the thing I'm trying to get out. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I guess I'll have a vision of what I want to capture and then it becomes a, a process of, it's kind of, it's kind of a problem solving process, you know, it, when, when, you know, often whatever you have in your head is not what, your first click is going to look like and that is can be pretty disheartening and i think that's what what you learn over time or what separates any inexperience with an experienced photographer is that moment there from the first click um and what your process is from there because i, I run i run a number of workshops uh, uh, for photographers and that's that's what i find is that if, if they're just starting out when you get when you have something in your mind you click the shutter and it's nowhere near that. It's just like a breakdown. You just don't understand why you can't figure it out. And you're like, oh, I just, I just must suck. It doesn't work. But you know, with time and experience, which is where I am now, you know, take, take the shutter. doesn't quite work out, but you, you think you break it down. You think, okay, well, why is that? You know, is it, do I need to change the lighting around here? Is it a composition issue? Uh, is it a technical issue? Do I need a, swap locations and you just kind of work out work your way to something that you like that's close to your vision or you realize that actually the vision i have in my head is not possible and that's why i can't get it it's not me being bad it's just that <laughs> the factors here aren't working out and then you work out something different and you go for another angle so i think it's quite a um yeah i like to call it like this creative problem solving process and i think that's what a lot of photography is about or probably anything creative uh, part of it is having the vision but the other part is 
how do you, what do you do when it doesn't work out and how do you take these logical steps to, to get back to what you wanted? Ooh, tell us about like, I know the technical aspects real, real important, like, <clears throat> like, like getting the composition, getting all that right. But what about the, giving the confidence to the subject or making them feel good, making them comfortable, making them sort of, how do, how do you get them uh, behaving in a way that's going to capture the best moment? Like, how do you make them feel comfortable? Is that, that's almost just as important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it depends on what kind of shoot you're on too, especially if you're working with someone who isn't a professional model just regular person who probably isn't on camera a lot or doesn't love to be in camera a lot. That's when it becomes really important. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's just, you know, I, I like, I like to be very collaborative with my shoots. You know, I like to uh, make sure that everybody is feeling good about it and they're feeling like they're contributing and that the, you know, their presence there is important and their input is important. So I'm, I'm usually going back and forth showing them some photos being like, oh, this is what we're at at the moment. You know, I reckon if we do this, it'll be even better. Um, yeah, but I'm always learning things like that too. I remember uh, early on um, in one of my shoots, I was shooting, uh, oh, I sh this is probably the most random recurring job I do, but I shoot for Miss Universe Australia. And I remember being in one of these shoots and I was, we're doing some swimwear stuff and, you know, I was just clicking away. This is a few years ago. Uh, and then I gave my camera to one of the models and said, oh, you, you take a few, you take a few. And then she, she took some of me. Uh, and I remember her, she, she her name's Nonny. She took a photo photo of me. And then she looked at the screen and she, she went, ooh, or something, something like that. And I was like, and it made me feel good. I was like, oh, that's like, must be a pretty cool shot. And I actually took that into, into my process. I was like, oh, you know, maybe I need to be more vocal about this. You know, that little bit of excitement I saw from her made me feel like we we're actually doing something good. Um, so from that point on, I've been more like uh, more open to kind of really showing enthusiasm when we get something. Um, and I think you'll, yeah, yeah, if you've been on a shoot with me, you probably notice, notice me doing things like that because I've realized now that kind of communication and just the, the, the vibe and feedback you're getting from, from the photographer is really important. I love that. What I, I saw, I came across, I saw on your Instagram maybe a couple of weeks ago that you were doing some nude shots. There's photos of you with, in the nud. What was that for? <laughs> There's so many uh, nude photos of me around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the latest one <laughs> was for uh, Stroke Foundation charity calendar. Uh, and this is organized by Lee Carthardine. Uh, ex cricketer and ex survivor player, which is how I know him and David Janay, who's another survivor player. So pretty long story, how this idea came about, but basically there's a connection to, to stroke uh, and survivor and being nude that they formed. <laughs> so there's a charity calendar that had athletes and well, here's the thing. It was, it really is a calendar of athletes uh, like professional athletes, like uh, survivor players, like people with massive rigs that you actually, that they want to be naked to show off their bodies. And then me, like I'm the, the very obvious <laughs> odd one out in this uh, process. I guess I was there for comedic relief. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that was that shoot. The funniest shot, I don't know if this will be released, but there was a group photo and this was the funniest one because... I mean, I guess this isn't a video 
medium, but you can imagine me as a small Asian boy <laughs> in a group photo. And the one guy that decides to come stand next to me was a Fijian rugby player called Aloni. Uh, if you just Google Aloni rugby, you will see what he looks like. And uh, he stood next to me for the screw photo. I was like, come on, man. Get, like, can't you go to the other side? It's the funniest photo. He's like, my entire body is about the size of his leg. <laughs> That's so insane. Hey. The contrast, fuck off, mate. Yeah, you know? fuck off, mate. Yeah, I know. It's like, I was looking okay ne next to the girls. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on, tell us about Survivor. Yeah, I want to dig in. Dig in. I've... Survivor, bro. Plenty of people love that show. I love that show. How did it come about? I was just always a fan of American Survivor. Uh, so I auditioned for the second season of Australian Survivor and got through. It was a very last minute thing. And I just kept, you know, I just kept getting through these stages. And I was like, oh my God, might actually have to cancel a few jobs here and <laughs> go get on the show. Yeah, cr really crazy experience. I, I loved it. Um, so wild, so different to, uh, to anything you could imagine really intense, really brutal. Um, yeah, it was a good kind of, you know, two months out of my life doing that. And then, you know, kind of the next year, you're still kind of involved and, uh, and thinking about it and, and meeting up with the other people. And uh, it really takes over your life for a little while. Um, but I loved it. Uh, such a unique experience. Well, we had, you said, you mentioned before, we actually recently released our episode with Mark Wales, who was on Survivor and you were on Survivor with Mark? I was, we were on different tribes, um, but you know, you meet up for the challenges. And so the, the time I met him was quite a uh, sorry affair for myself, but there was a challenge where um, you have to face off with someone and you bash them with these pad things until somebody just gets knocked off a platform into mud and it was actually a strategy of mine I chose Mark to fight <laughs> out of everybody because you had to choose someone and I was looking at everyone on the other team and they were all all of them were, were bigger than me uh Mark was the biggest obviously <laughs> um and in my head my strategy luckily my my personal like don't embarrass myself strategy lined up with an actual good game strategy, which was you might as well waste me on the biggest dude because I'll probably lose against all of them. If I take on the biggest dude, none of you guys have to. And also that's the least chance of me winning anyway. So every, there's like, I can't get embarrassed because everyone expects me to lose in one second. <laughs> so that was my, why I was like, yeah, I'll take on him. This is the best move for me and the tribe. Yeah, I'll go take the, S the SAS dude. Yeah, very selfless. I like well, here's it. the thing. He didn't say, no one knew he was an SAS dude on the show. He kept that secret. We all just thought he was a big buff dude. Uh, he liked to go to the gym. That bit was, uh, that bit I found out on the plane on the way home because they'd already had a trailer out by then. And I used all my you know data to look at this one trailer and it flashes up people's names, you know, and, and I was watching it and uh, yeah, cause then Mark, and I was like, oh cool, there's Mark, former SAS commander. And I was like, what the hell, <laughs> that's who I, so he really could have uh, just 
killed me if he wanted to. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, ah, oh, it kind of makes me look cool. I took on the, took on the SAS commander. All right. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Tell us about like these interesting projects that you're doing. Like you say, like you do photography, but you're a creative director. Like what, what made you want to branch out and do different things? I think I'm just quite a creative person with different ideas and most of them are pointless, but I just, I love the idea of an idea coming together, people kind of turning ideas from, you know, paper to just uh, like mini productions. I don't know. I love it. Uh, and the more random, the better. So I like to kind of stay open. Like I don't, I don't really shoot. I'd say photography is, is maybe half of what I do now. Um, a little bit of film. Sometimes I will just project manage something. Uh, I just, I just love the whole creative process and, um, and it keeps it, keeps it interesting kind of, kind of using different kind of skills. Uh, cause I, you know, it's not, it's not always super exciting the work I do. It might seem like it. Um, and it usually is a pretty fun job that I'm on, but I mean, I don't wake up every morning and, and just, you know, dream about clicking the shutter. I'm not, I'm not, in love with photography <laughs> I, I i like it and uh, i like 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 the, the creative process and i like all the places i've been able to go and the things i've been able to do because i have that skill but it's more it's more about all those things not the, the you know clicking the shutter bit that i'm in love with which one have you got any moments or any projects that stand out like anything that you go fuck i'm i'm so proud i've done i i worked on that one or that one was the most fun or that one was the most allowed me to be the most creative is there anything that really stands out there was a film a very short film i made uh in queensland northern queensland uh showcasing indigenous culture and that was just a two minute video uh, and it was actually part of a competition it was a it was a promotion with tourism north queensland and they sent um five little filmmaking teams out to, to capture something and then the winner won tens of thousands of dollars um so what i made in in that project I still love, and I'll still use that if somebody needs to see a reference, I'll send them this thing I made when I didn't know at all what I was doing. This, this was probably 2015 or 16. Um, I just love, I just love what we made then. And I love the whole process because I was stressing out big time um, on that thing, thinking that it was all going so bad. And then the final product, um, I just, I just love. So, that's uh that's that's it's a little video called home that i made and um probably that and just i don't know uh i love creating stuff with musicians i do it's, it's probably not the most you know uh creatively uh uh explorative work but it's just such a fun lifestyle traveling around with other creative people and off the cuff and spontaneously just coming up with ideas and be like, wouldn't it be cool if we did this in this random city? I love that kind of just quick fire. Let's just do something kind of thing. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like you can action your ideas straight away. So if you've, you, you feel you're most creative when you're on the road with them types of people, because is it just you at the moment that does all this thing or do you have a team around you that help you with opportunities and all that sort of stuff? Uh, it's just me, but you know, a lot of projects require a team. Uh, yeah. So I'll put one together You know, I've met, lots of cool creative people all over the country and, and the world really. So that's part of the fun is putting together a team 
and mixing and matching people and, and seeing what comes out. Yeah, but, my, but it's, it's mainly me. And I would say 80% of the work I do is just solo. Shit. For those who might be interested in getting into this space, what, what have been some of the challenges that you've faced coming through the ranks, I guess? Um, I suppose some of the challenges I've faced are a bit different now. I mean, like social media was a big part of how I got my name out there. And that's a very different arena now than it was back then. I think it's, I think in some ways it's harder, some ways it's easier to stand out now. I think it's certainly harder to break, to create a name for yourself as a photographer now because there's so many more people doing it. It's a lot easier to access equipment. Um, phones are, you know, pretty good now too. So to really forge your name as a, you know, unique photographer is probably harder. Um, but I think all the same principles, you know, apply, you know, and, and the, the kind of strategies, strategies that I had, which was, you know, just get, get your name out there, do everything possible. And I think that is something that's some, uh, advice I would impart on younger photographers is to go through all the shitty stuff and go and shoot nightclubs and go and shoot this fashion thing and go and do a family portrait. Because I think now with Instagram being in your face and, um, I guess there's a lot of social media traveler, successful photography kind of people to look up to on Instagram now. And it seems like, like you go from picking up a camera to being, yeah, I want to do that and just doing whatever I can to be Instagram famous or to do what they do. And that is, you're very lucky if you can do make that direct pathway, but really I think the better way to do it is to go through all this stuff, learn from every genre, do tons of things that aren't ever going to make it on Instagram, but that that's where you will build your skills and, uh, and, just being comfortable in every single environment and not just when you need to take a couple photo on a cliff, you know, I think that's so important. And that's why I have the longevity uh, uh, that I have, uh, I think is because you can throw me in any situation and I've done it before and I know how to do it. Well, I've done all these things. I don't just take photos of Instagram. And for me, it, that's just happened because I had to, that's what you had to do to survive. But now, you know, I think, you know, I didn't have people on Instagram to look to and be like, oh yeah, I just want to be this, this travel couple, dude. Um, no, I kind of just went, rose up through the ranks doing everything. And it actually built up so, so many skills that, you know, I don't use all of them now, but they're there. Do you have like a little black book? Like, do you go after certain shoots, do you write notes down on what worked and what doesn't? Like, do you, do you retrospect or is it just sort of memory? Like, oh, I remember doing that last time don't do this, do this. Yeah. I probably should write, write stuff down. I don't really, um, I have a whole bunch of, uh, iPhone notes of different things, not so much technical things from shoots, but maybe little creative lessons or a store or stories. I'll kind of jot something down. It'll be a big effort trying to compile them or find them all again. But, um, yeah, no, I think, I think it's all just kind of stored in, in the memory bank. Um, yeah. What sort of content do you do you consume yourself? Like you mentioned before, you had to delete TikTok. What what are some of the stuff that you're looking at? Like are you, are you YouTube, podcasts, books, visuals? What's on your plate? Um, 
Yeah, I, listen, I try to listen to a few podcasts when I can, but yeah, I mean, not not many related to it's it's more entertainment <laughs> than anything else. I mean, just the, the usuals, you know. Um, Dak Shepherd's podcast I really love. Um, Osha Osha Ginsberg, uh, Will Anderson. Like I just like getting a little bit of a. Uh, you know, little insights, although it gets a bit much when you listen to those kind of interview guest podcasts all the time. Um, <laughs> so Hamish and Andy's thrown in there too, just for, for some entertainment. But no, I don't, I don't actually do consume too much. I think I just don't have time. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm more probably more of just a watch, watch movies kind of thing. If I have some downtime. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it can get to like, you feel like well, I feel the same thing when you're working and you're in it and you're doing shit all the time. It's, you just need to switch off. Don't you? you need to find that thing that you can just fucking go and listen to something stupid and have a laugh or listen to some tunes and just chill out. Hey. Eh? Yeah, exactly. You know what? That's really funny. What you just said, it, no one, no, nobody will get this. That's listening to this, but uh, um, <laughs> it's probably not worth going into, but when I was in high school, I I had the top mark for a few things, and there was a newspaper article written about me. And then the last bit of bit of it was uh, they asked, "What's what's your advice for other students?" And I get like roasted about this all the time by my old school friends because I, I don't even remember saying it. But the quote they have from me to to better prepare for your your student exams is, "quote Just chill out and listen to some tunes." <laughs> no way it's important man. Right. Even get i'm it. pretty sure I, did, I would not have worded that i think i said something funny like uh, just real, just just listen to joshua raiden or like whatever my favorite artist was at the moment and they turned into just chill out and listen to some tunes man then you'll be fine and when you just said that i triggered it <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's important well, the next question we got you want to you want to well, ask it our uh, part of the show is heaps normal non-alcoholic beer and the question we ask all I guess is what's the thing that's your version of heaps normal? What's the thing that gives you energy back in your life? If you're feeling like you need your batteries recharged, what's the thing that you turn to? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't do, I don't do too many, like not just do it. Yeah. Well, I guess it, it fits in just doing normal things. I just like to sit down, put on Netflix, put on YouTube. Sometimes I've started playing this really old game called Warcraft three with my old, with my old uh, college mate. <laughs> and it's totally just like switch your mind off thing because everything, everything I do is so creatively intense and it just, it really sucks a lot out of you and it's so rewarding. But then in, when I don't have to do that, I really like to go the opposite way and just not really think about anything and just enjoy. And it's really, it's quite hard for some of my friends to grasp that because like, don't you want to go out and do something? You're like, I've just been doing stuff like <laughs> all day, every day. I just want to do not, nothing, a normal thing. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're the same, mate. Your, your thing's baths. Yeah, I, I honestly, <laughs> I, I was telling people to take a sickie and just honestly listen to some tunes, dance around the house and just fucking chill out because it, it is important. But you're, you're a man of the world. Like you travel lots and you've done, you've been to many different countries what's what is life on the road when you're constantly in transit like your podcast what is it life in transit the name of that like you're constantly on the road you're constantly doing that do you do you enjoy going to these different places and like finding homes in away from home i suppose yeah i love it i love that lifestyle and it's been a big change you know this year obviously 
last year. Oh my god, it's been it's been a, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, I loved the idea of just you know not really needing anything, just needing my laptop, my camera. Like I really could get by on a backpack and and work you know anywhere I wanted. I love that idea. I like you know moving cities, meeting meeting new people, meeting up with friends in different countries, uh, waking up in a different city every day. I, I love that lifestyle, which is so cool to me. It st- did start to get quite taxing at, uh, when it was getting real hardcore. And I remember, I remember some in the middle of some tours, uh, just waking up and uh, and ta- having and it and, and it taking a good five ten seconds to to work out where I was. But hang on, what what time is it and uh, what country am I in? And you really had to think about it. And I was like, oh, this is starting to seem like maybe it's not super healthy. <laughs> so I was probably pushing it a bit hardcore. Uh, this, this is when you're doing a tour with somebody and they're just traveling all around the world, changing cities. And then, you know, straight from there, I'll do my next job. I'd fly straight to my next job in a different country and have, have my assistant back home send a new suitcase with the gear I need to that place. And then like, it was just getting really uh, jumbled and, you know, your mind's always scattered. But in general, I love the idea of just always moving. And that's like metaphorically too, just always changing, changing it up, you know, never staying stagnant and just, you know, just, just moving through life and just enjoying all the different things. Do, do you have a favorite, favorite city or favorite country? Uh, it's pretty, it's always cliche to say this one, but Iceland's always been the one. Um, to- You've been to Iceland? Yeah, man, I uh, I used to go three or four times a year. Oh, <laughs> my Iceland. God. Yeah, it's just amazing. I used to run photography workshops there. My friend lives from Perth, Benjamin Harden. He's an epic photographer. We started just traveling there together, you know, just for fun. And he just ended up moving there. He's now like quite a famous Arctic explorer. Um, so I go visit him. Haven't been for a little while now, but um, yeah, it's just such an amazing place in terms of magical landscapes but as well just you know it's just a cool creative place to be like you really feel like you know you've found your place when you're there i think if you're a creative person yeah are you going stir crazy now that we're like all of these crazy times like the borders are closed you can't go this international travel do you feel like is this the longest you've been in one place for a while uh yeah 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 it definitely has been i've kind of left there was a period of maybe 14 months where I didn't leave Western Australia, which is definitely the longest in, you know, probably 10 years, but actually I didn't mind it. I just moved into this, um, this apartment. So it was fun kind of, you know, building up this nest, uh, with all my things, uh, for once in my life. But I also, I work with tourism, Western Australia pretty closely. So there was plenty of stuff for me to do. There's plenty of places to travel, places I haven't been to. So I've been really busy anyway, throughout this, uh, throughout this thing uh but yeah i did i did get to leave wa a few times in the in the last few months each time was for something very random one was to uh the first time i left wa was to go and be a vampire in julia stone's music video what Um, that was (laughs) reason number one i was like well if i'm going to leave wa then i guess that's a good reason for my first trip out Second one was to uh, be naked in that calendar. <laughs> <laughs> the third one was to uh, tour with Jimmy Barnes. So I was like, all right, uh, they're good reasons to leave. 
So tell us about some of the artists that you've worked with then. Like we know there's Passenger, you just mentioned Jimmy Barnes. Who else have you done some work with? Well, Passenger's the main one. That's like, you know, when he's when he's going, then I'll usually be, be going for a big chunk of it. Uh, Angus and Julia Stone, I, I like uh, another one. And sometimes I'll just be with Angus for Dope Lemon or with Julia for her Julia Stone stuff. That's really it because those those two acts alone, uh, you know, could take up in normal times that could take up five or six months of the year. Um, and that's kind of my limit. You know, I love the lifestyle and it's probably the most fun work I do. But, you know, there's a lot of other things I want to be doing, too. So I, I never can commit fully. That's that's enough for me. Yeah. Well, there have been some random ones in the past. Uh, Matchbox 20 was probably the most random one but Rob that was, Thomas. That was super fun <laughs> oh man that's that, that'd be awesome that'd be fun what music do you listen to like what what stuff are you digging at the moment i'm pretty i used to be so on top of you know uh finding new music and finding indie artists that was my thing like back in those days and i loved that i just i don't have the time to do that anymore so i i keep it pretty safe and i just listen I mainly listen to the artists I work with, which is pretty sad and funny. Um, but, you know, I love Passenger and I love Acres and Julia. Uh, Gregory Allen Isaacov uh, is, I don't know if you guys know him. He's like my top played Spotify artist and happens to be one of my friends now through touring. And I just, he's, he's what I'll, you know, on the plane, that's who I'll put on and just, just you know, get lost in it. Fucking, and sometimes he'll be sitting next to me while I'm doing that, and I just won't tell him. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm just to? Oh, you do, you. do you just sometimes pinch yourself and like when you when you're on the road and going, "Fuck, this is my I've created this life from just the sweaty nightclubs, the the top and tailing, mm-hmm. and doing all the hard work, and now you're going, well, this is this, I've created something fucking special for myself here.' Do you ever have them moments? Yeah, all the time, all the time, and usually around musicians because I'm like. Like I still idolize musicians and artists, you know, and, and probably I'm still, part of me is still a pretty big fanboy of the people I work with, like Passenger, like Angus and Julia. I mean, I was a huge fan of Angus and Julia and I like, I remember interviewing them once when I was on the writing days and like being so excited about it. And now I just like play Mario Kart with Angus. So it's like, it still kind of blows me away, but it's a nice reminder of, oh, wait, you know, I think you just realize everybody is just a normal person uh, and, you know, they just have this skill and um, it's not unobtainable to get to these, you know, heights. And uh, yeah, it does make it all that stuff seem worth it. Um, and at the time, this is what I tell younger people, like at the time it feels like you're just kind of slashing away at everything and there's no, you, you know, you can't see the end in sight. Actually, there was, I can't remember where I, where I heard this, but there was a nice analogy I heard somewhere which was about uh, imagine being dropped in the middle of a forest and then hacking your way out of it. Uh, and then, you know, at the time you just wouldn't know what you're doing, where you're going and you're probably winding around, you know, not doing the most clear, efficient path out, but eventually you get out and then, you know, you look back or maybe you look from an aerial perspective and you're like, Oh yeah, well, that's the part. Obviously that's the pathway to get out. And this is what I took. Like you'll get there and you look back and realize that all, all the things I did led to here. And so the other thing is I, like, I, I tend to not really have many regrets and, and there are lots of fork in the road moments where I have to make big decisions, career decisions. And when I had to think about it, when I was thinking about regrets and you know what, so I think somebody might've asked me, I said, I don't, I think I've made the right choice every time. Isn't that really weird that 
every time I had to make a big decision, I made the right one. Like touring with Passenger, like that was a huge decision to do the, take the first step because he asked me to travel and I had, to, and this is when I was really just starting to make a name for myself and I had to kind of pull out of one of my big jobs to travel with this broke musician for no money. And I took it and I was, you know, I, ne- I nearly didn't. Uh, and looking back now, I'm like, oh my God, imagine if I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and then if that, hap- that happens again and again. And I look back and think, how is it that I choose the right one every time? And I just realized it's just because you make the most of whatever you, whatever you decide. If I didn't do, if I didn't travel with him, I probably would have made a name for myself on this other way and done all these other cool things. You know, as long as you keep moving forward and you keep making the most of the path that you've chosen, you will look back and not have any regrets because so many extra things would have, the domino effect would have happened. You would look back and think, well, I wouldn't have met this person if I didn't do that, who's now my best friend. You know, if you just keep going at it, you, you, it's, you know, you will look back and you won't have many regrets, I think, if you just don't, don't kind of dwell on things and just make the most Touch of your intuition and just make a call and move forward. Exactly. Yeah. And it will branch off into all these other things. And then you'll look back and think, wow, I really would regret it if I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, make, like, you, you make perfect sense, like making the most out of every situation. You can't predict the future. You can't tell what's going to happen ahead, but it's like, if it feels good for you at the time and making decisions quickly, because I feel like a lot of people get stuck at that point where they're like, shit, don't know what to do. Don't know what to do. But ultimately it doesn't really matter. Like you were saying, just pick something, go all in and, and these things will sort of happen. Mm. And something awesome will happen that wouldn't have happened if you did the other thing. And you'll yeah. never know. You never know what the other thing was. So it's just, you know, have conviction and just make the most of it. Well, man, this has been such a good chat. Uh, we're halfway through the year now, almost. What's, uh, what's on for the rest of the year for you? I'm actually going back to uh, North Queensland. It's not really a sequel, but it's in the same vein of that, that video I was talking about. You know, they've asked me to come back Um and film something with the uh, uh, with the Laura Indigenous Dance Festival, so that would be great. That's my next kind of job. Back over for Miss Universe stuff again. It's it's just such a fun <laughs> random part of my job. Um, no huge plans. Maybe I don't know. They haven't asked me yet, but maybe with Jimmy Barnes again. He's got a tour coming up. It's all pretty. You know, you can't plan too far ahead, <laughs> as we've all learned. Hopefully I'm back out with Passenger. He's got some international touring coming up in the second half of the year. It's I've really missed that lifestyle, I miss him. So hopefully we can get we can get back on the road. But yeah, leaving it really open. Oh, and actually, no, I do have an interesting project. Uh, uh, can't say too much about it, but I finally I will be out, I'll be you know doing a personal project of my own, a portrait project uh, funded by Canon Australia. So I'm really excited for that because it's been ages since I've made something for myself. I've made tons of cool things for other people, but it's been a while since I've made something for myself. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, mate. Well, man, Fuck yeah. Thanks so much for jumping on and having a chat. We're excited to watch what happens for you and uh, see the things that you're up to and see the things unfold for the rest of the year. And thank you so much for dropping some wisdom on the pod today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, Jared Sang, I feel like we're best friends now. I'm, I'm going to put him on my... Um... Jared Sang's done it again. He's, he's done it. Oh, that's so <laughs> shit. If I had my space, he'd be in the top four friends, I reckon. He'd nudge out a few people who I've known for ages, but um, no, I just, I love him, man. I love him. I love what he's about. I love his story and I love his approach to creativity and projects and life and career. And I feel 
Um, like a lot of the people in his workshops who might be going through some of the stuff he's, he's, he's doing are getting some extreme amount of value. For those who are new, if you're, if you're new to the pod, listen in. We, we drop guest episodes Monday, Thursday. Snacks pods coming at your hot Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, Deep Dive, a new segment we've introduced where we deep dive on uh, topics, interesting people. We jump on with our mate Tam and we do that every fortnight on a Friday. So keep listening. Listen to all of it. <laughs>